Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. Hey, my little golfing maniacs! Guess what? Normally, this would be the part of the podcast where Matt Barry says it's a weekly dysfunction thing, but it's not a weekly dysfunction this week. You know why? Because Matt Barry's in Vegas. So your boy, the caddy, Michael Collins. You would think I might fly solo, but why would I do that when I got super producer Andrew Brooks to hang out with me for this week's podcast? Brooks, hey, what's up, man? I don't know about super, but uh, I'm happy to be here. Okay, well, you're our super producer. You know, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, We thought about you going solo uh, and then just loading you up with guests, uh, but for some reason you chose to do this with me. I don't. I didn't want to have a whole bunch of guests doing it because I think it's more fun this way because we're a team. It's Maddie and the Caddy, but you're a part of this team as well, Brooksy's. We as much as we call your name out and get you on the podcast, there's no reason that you know if I gotta have an emergency podcast off or Barry is in Vegas, hopefully not doing his impression of the Hangover Four. Uh. And he's supposed to call in as well, which will be fun to hear how his debauchery is going out there. But there's no reason that you can't jump in here and talk too, because you love golf as much as we do. I do. I do. I do have a question for you. If Matt is playing out there, is there any way his number that he's going to tell us is accurate? No. You know what? Well, let me backtrack. Maybe. Because what he'll do is he'll tell us what he shot, but then he'll probably say what he should have shot or could have shot. Yeah, playing with Matt is always about, oh, I could have, I should have. Oh, right. yeah, if I if I just had those nine tee shots back, <laughs> I would have shot even par. See, I can't say nothing because he beat me by one the last time we played because I had a, a couple of horrific holes, horrific holes. What's now since you're up in Bristol? What's the temperature like up there? Have you gotten a chance to play golf? It is 45 degrees today. Today is Tuesday. Uh, I have not touched a golf club since October. Uh, I had actually a late round in October, uh, and my guess is I won't touch a club for another three weeks. That long? So you're not you're going to wait until Masters Week to touch a club? I think so. I, I, uh, I'm i from Phoenix. Uh, I don't like to play golf in the cold weather, and the ground is still rock solid here. So <laughs> I like to give a it a few thing. weeks to thaw it out. Yeah, but with the grounds hard, my rule is wind. If it's 50 degrees, anywhere between, say, 48 and 55, as long as there's no wind, I'll go tee it up because I can layer up and I don't have to wear big bulky jackets to restrict my swing. So, I'm actually, I won't even tell you what it's like down here in Florida. I, I'm honestly in the middle of booking a trip uh, at the beginning of uh, May, actually, to either Charlotte or Streamsong. Uh, we haven't decided if we're going to go to Streamsong or if we're going to go play Pinehurst. Uh, but there is a trip being booked <sighs> this week and will probably be booked by the time I post this podcast. That's a tough call, man. Pinehurst or Streamsong? Well, see, both of them are 20 miles past Children of the Corn. So, well, like Pinehurst. Pinehurst is old school because it, it has been there forever. So there's like some really quaint, cool spots that you can hit around there that have also been there forever. Streamsong is new, but it is all it's I'm not. How can I say this without offending a place where I've never been? But what I've only heard, I will. I'll say, Stream Song is as close to the East Coast version of Bandon Dunes as you can get in Florida, not on the water. Interesting. Which then probably makes zero sense whatsoever. But if you've ever been to Stream Song, you understand what I'm saying. So it is. You you can't believe that there is somewhere like this in florida that's what that place is like and it's another place too you have to stay on site because there is nothing it's another 20 miles past children of the corn in every direction yeah but when and you that, spend even all when you're winter, on site yeah when you're, when, when you're all all coiled up during winter 
cooped up during winter. The last thing I want to do is do anything besides play golf. This is a golfing trip only. Period. We're going to try yes. to get 36 holes in each day and then fly yeah. home and come back to work. Well, then go to Florida because Florida is for the south, so you get more daylight. That's and that point. 30 minutes can make a difference, trust me, compared to Charlotte. So you fly into Tampa. It's about an hour drive from Tampa. And you, you just think to yourself, too, you, come on, I'm landing in Tampa. And Orlando's right over there. It's like an hour and 15, 20 minutes across I-4. And you're like, How, what do you mean there's nothing around streams? And then you start driving, and you're like, you're off the highway, and then you're off the grid. <laughs> so, and trust me, this piece of property that Streamsong is on with all the golf courses and stuff that are there, and every golf course, I haven't played the newest one, but I played two of the three, and they were off the chain fun. Yeah, and, well, the, the other difference is Streamsong is walking. Uh, you don't want to take a golf cart there. You want to walk that golf course with a caddy. Pinehurst, you can get away with taking a cart. You don't necessarily need a caddy. It's good to have one. I I just like the experience of having a caddy there walking with you, but it's not not necessary. It's just one of those. It would be a nice perk, but stream song, you got to have a caddy. That's that's that just is goes without saying. And if you're going to play 36 a day, yeah. Daylight Caddies are a wonderful invention. Yeah, man. It just I tell you speaking of You busy? Me? <laughs> um when is the trip? Uh it'll be uh right after Mother's Day. Ooh, and that's when the players used to be. That's like PGA championship now. I don't know, I'll have to look at the schedule. Maybe. If you guys are playing stream song, maybe I could sneak down for a day or two and hang out. I'll call one of my boys down there. One of the caddies that I know that works down there. And there are caddies that, that come from up in the northern parts of the country and just caddy stream song all winter and then go back up to where they were before back to their normal caddy jobs. It's wild, man. It's it's just it is a cool, cool place. But I'll tell you this. The good news is if you're golfing 36 every day, all you're going to want to do is go back in there, eat, and then go to sleep, which is good because you do not want to just be out walking around because there is stuff out there at night that will kill you. <laughs> like the Florida Panther, no joke, that it will kill you. And there are some, even though it'll be too cold for gators now, they're probably still hibernating. They, Man, they got some gators down there that, probably were friends with dinosaurs they're that big and old yeah we're going to talk some golf but I, I am fully convinced that i can wrestle an alligator between six and nine feet long um no, no. fully convinced that no, i can do it no i used to watch those gator wrestling shows and it doesn't oh. seem that hard bruh look uh six up to six feet you have a chance it's it's very slim but you got a chance over six feet it'll kill you See, well, I'm going for over it's not six even, feet. It's not going to kill you. What's going to happen is it's going to leave with something that used to belong to you. Battle scar. Uh, no, not I, battle I feel scar. Like under six feet, though, they're just too fast for me. So over six feet, I, I think I got a chance. But no. anything bigger than nine feet uh, is too big to handle. No, over. No, once they get over six feet, the problem is you people don't understand how fast these animals are, and then. What you think is, well, if it grabs me, I can just get away. Like, I can pull. But what happens is, if that thing grabs a foot or a hand, what it's going to do is spin. And what you don't understand is how fragile our frames are. So that thing's going to, whatever it's holding on to, when it spins, whatever that was attached to. So if it's got your forearm from the elbow down, it's going. That's leaving you. Now, you don't own that anymore. Or if it's got you at the elbow from your shoulder, bye. Like, you don't own that anymore. Because we think we're tough. We don't know. We are very fragile human beings. Yeah, I know and I'm not that tough. I just think it can be done. No, it, it can. you're not beating a gator over six foot because it's, they're too powerful. They're just too strong. And they're faster than what you think. And if you make one wrong move and that tail gets around on you, if you're not on that thing perfect. Have you ever done a mechanical bull? Yes. How long did you stay on? Um, not very long. 
and it was, probably wasn't at full blast either. No, but I, I, again, we'll get into golf. But the idea is to tire out the alligator first and then jump on its back and wrestle it. And I, you're going to I got tire this planned out, out in my head. How? Just like, run it in circles. Bullfight? Just run it in circles. No, I don't think you understand. Alligators don't turn. Yeah. That's why they tell people when you run, you zigzag. But an alligator is not going to chase you. You're not a bullfighter. I watch them on TV all the time. It can't be that hard. What's harder, wrestling an alligator Here, or playing golf? Why don't you do this? Stop watching the perfect ones on television and go on YouTube and just go, just put on YouTube alligator disasters. Alligator versus human disasters, and then we'll talk about how easy it is. Okay. And how it's no big deal. I got an assignment for the week. You got something to do. Just like we were talking about disasters, let's talk about this John Rom and the caddy, Adam Hayes, who's a friend of mine. And, man, let me tell you. So when it first happened, my first instinct, for people who don't know what happened, John Rom is tied for the lead on the 11th hole. It's a par five, and he yanks his drive left, and it ends up in the bunker. And they, they are blocked out by a tree. So he's going to have to hit a 40 to 60 yard draw from the bunker around this tree over water the whole time. And Adam, his caddy, knows where they are in the tournament. And the first thing in Adam's mind is get once you're in trouble, get out of trouble. Rule number one, get out of trouble. So Adam says, hey, I'm going to put you on a flat spot up here in the layup area. We'll have about 100 yards in. It'll be perfect. We'll get up and down for birdie. Rom says, nah, I'm going to hit an eight iron, 220 yards, hook it 40 yards around that tree, get on the green in two. And Adam is saying, um, that's not the play right now. The play right now is let me put you out in a flat spot. So because that's one of the things that got lost as well. Rom says to him, I don't want to go over there. I'm going to have a bad, I got a bad lie. So, it, and people thought that, I think people thought that meant the bunker, which my response to that as a caddy would have been, if your lie in the bunker is not good enough to put it out to the layup area, then it definitely isn't good enough to go for the green. Okay. Fire me after we get the trophy. But for now, but you know what? Adam did the right thing. When Rom said, nah, I, I, this is the shot. I got this. I got this. Then he goes, okay. And then, of course, Rom proceeds to plop it right in the water, not even close to hooking it enough, and has a little bit of a meltdown, drops an F-bomb, talking about he was confident with the shot when he was stepping in, but basically saying in not so many words that he was confident until the caddy put second thoughts in his head. And I put on Twitter, when it happened, What's going to suck, dot, 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 is if this cost Adam his job. Because, and the reason that I said that was not saying that I thought John was going to fire Adam after the fact. But this is one of those cases where it's easy for a player, even in hindsight, to blame the caddy. Now, at the moment when that happened, as a caddy, I want the player to blame me. And I know that's going to sound weird, and I know that's not something people will be like, well, what what are you talking about? You want to – here's why. Because if the player blames himself, then his confidence is shattered for the rest of the round, and he was tied for the lead on Sunday. If the player blames me, then I can keep his confidence high and find a way to get him to finish and maybe still win this tournament. So that's why as a caddy you want when something bad happens and there's – that kind of back and forth between a caddy and then the player still does not execute the shot that he wanted to hit and disaster is happening as a caddy. Your job is to take the hit then. But I feared for Adam's job because Rom being a little bit young and also even talking about to the media that he's still learning and trying to mature as a person. But this is one of those spots where it's very easy on a Sunday night after saying all the right things to the media that you go back and you sit with your fiance, your girlfriend, your wife, and you're like, man, I'm not going to lie. It burns my booty that my caddy talked me out of that. And then it's very easy for someone who's with you to be sympathetic slash empathetic and be like, yeah, you know, 
maybe they should have said something a little different and you know maybe could have done something because it's very difficult to put the onus on the guy who's bringing home the big check okay so i have three questions one uh or the first is this a different conversation if it's not sunday and Rom is in the position that he's in. If this is yes. Thursday, are you still having that same conversation? Yeah, absolutely. If it's Thursday, it, you know what? Here's the thing. If it's Thursday as the caddy, you're more adamant. If it's Thursday, you don't back off like Adam did. On Sunday when you're tied for the lead and your player says I'm going to I'm going for it, then you got you have to back off. You don't argue. If it's Thursday and the guy's like I'm going for it. Man, this is the play. You go no, it's not the play. Today's Thursday. You know what we're going to do? We're going to put it out here to the right. You know why? Because the worst we're going to make out there is a par. And that's why I'm here with you, bro. I need you to trust me right now, so I'm throwing that card down. That's what. If it's not Sunday, you throw that out there. All right, but so Sunday, Rom, Rom turned professional right. in 2016, uh, which wasn't that long ago, but he only has six professional wins, just two on the PGA Tour. The next time he's in a situation – where he's got the lead on Sunday on a PGA event, are you worried about this in his mind, or do you think he's the type of golfer that uh, won't think about his past failures? No, I I think I I honestly believe he is growing exponentially as a person. And can say that first line one more time. The only six wins is that that the line. And he got turned you? pro when twenty sixteen. He's he was he was the number the two ranked golfer in the world uh, in January of twenty eighteen. So you know a little over a year ago he was number two in the world. I I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's only had two PGA Tour wins. That's not very many. Hold up though, how many wins total? Six. Okay, so now this dude has been a pro for three years and not three complete years. Two years, and this is year number three that he's been a professional. And the dude made it to number two in the world and has six worldwide wins, and this is a problem? No. I, I mean, I think one of those counts is the Hero World Challenge, which is obviously a smaller field, but I, don't, I mean, I don't want to get into to that because he's a great golfer. I agree. And he's from That's the bull. Arizona That's, State uh, don't count that one. So five. Let's say he's got five worldwide wins. How many people can say that? Not very many. Um, Correct. We've and also talking, seen a lot and, of young... and we're also talking about we're also talking about guys who have been on tour for twenty years. They ain't got five wins in the last two years and what three months, two months. He's a great golfer. I don't want to take anything away from it. All, all I'm saying is that this is now the last time he's had an opportunity to win. That'll be the the this this tournament will be the last in his mind. So but when he this gets was there, also the first time that he ever slept on a fifty four hole lead. Ever. And he, he gave himself a chance going into 16. Like, even going to 15, he still had a chance. He did. He still had an opportunity. So, I think, think about it this way. If John Rahm gets into contention at the Masters on Sunday and they get to the 12th hole and they're in between pitching wedge and nine iron, I believe that that Adam Hayes' caddy wins this argument. I hope so. I think so. And even if Adam is wrong, I think – I think that moment is when John harkens back to the moment that happened this past Sunday and goes, okay, I'm jacked up right now. I need to have another person's perspective. And he has the ability then to step out of his own bubble, which I think for him is going to be a huge part of the learning process going forward. Now, if after the Masters, let's say – Let's say Rom and Adam stay together through the Masters, but they don't have a great Masters. If if Adam Hayes is not with John Rom for the rest of this year, I think this was the first huge crack in that relationship and that Rom's trust was never regained. I hope that's not the case, and I don't believe it is the case. I believe that John Rom and Adam Hayes are really good for each other. Rom knows it. Even though, like, he was mad and disappointed and upset. And I think Adam knows it too, even though he was mad and disappointed and probably scared now. Cause every caddy knows your job is temporary. So when you have a guy who is world number two, as young as John is, like, he, he's thinking to himself, you know, I want to be on this guy's bag for the next bunch of years. Cause we're going to win a whole bunch of flags together. I'm going to be able to send my grandkids to college. <laughs> 
you know, with my 10% that I'm making on all the wins we're going to get. But as a caddy, too, you're nervous. When something like this happens, you're nervous. Jim Furyk tried to do it for the old guys, uh, wasn't able to, but he has 26 career professional wins. Does Rom pass him when it's all said and done? Twenty-six career total, seventeen PGA Tour wins, and he got that major. Two thousand three U.S. Open, yeah, which pretty much, I think, sealed him for the Hall of Fame. But, um, without saying how many, where I'm gonna say. Rom finishes his career with less than 26 wins. And 20, I don't mean, that's a lot. I'm not knocking Rom on that. I'm knocking his. I'm saying that's a testament to the competition he has to play against. So instead of saying, well, Rom's going to crash and burn and fall apart and he's not going to get a bunch of wins, I'm saying the reason that Rom's not getting to 26 is because who he's playing against right now and how good they're going to be for their career as well. And we'll get into Rory, but before we do, um, let's go to the caddy vault. I know that you have a story from when you were uh, on tour and one of the professionals did what Rom did. Yeah. Give it to us. Yeah, it it happened at, at, a, at a tournament, and we were off a little bit of a downhill lie that we had a shot that had to go over water. But long was bad, and I'll never forget. Like the player and I, there had been some tension there anyway. Um, and the player and I were trying to decide, you know, what club. And I said, "This is this is a four iron shot." And I don't know four iron. I don't think is enough to get there. And I'm thinking, okay, off a little down slope, it's going to deloft a little bit. It's going to come out a little lower, a little bit hotter. And the player was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not 100% convinced on that. I would rather hit this club and I'm going to have to hit it. And so when the player says that, you know, they're going to take the higher club and they're going to go after smash it. And so then at that point, I was like, I really like the four iron here, but if you want to hit the three, just make it a smooth one. Trust it. You don't have to give it any extra. And he goes, okay. But the way he said, okay, I knew uh, this is not going to end up good. And he took a three iron and smashed it over the green into a bu- into the bunker behind the green off a down slope. And now we were going to – and I knew if we got in that bunker, it was it was done. So flubbed the bunker shot twice, popping onto the green. And let's just say we didn't talk for a couple of holes other than yardage and whatnot. And I never even suggested clubs. But also in that in that moment too – the the other thing that you can't say as a caddy as bad as you want to even like the relationship between a caddy and a player is like husband and wife very much so and the one thing that you can't do in this relationship is go see i told you it was a four iron stupid like in the middle of a tournament unless you're just putting the bag down and taking a bib off right then and there how long did you guys work together after that uh Four months. And was it awkward? No. No. Mm-mm. I had a – here's a great story too, and, and this is one. I'm, I'll say this player's name because of, of how it ended. Um, Kevin Streelman and I were playing at the Travelers' Championship together one year, and we got to um, the 15th hole, that short par four that's reachable. And he laid, we laid up off the tee. And we were trying to decide what club to hit into the hole after the fact. So he wants to hit one club and I want to hit another club. And so the club he wants to hit is a little bit uh, shorter than the club that I want him to hit. Um, and, and he decided to hit the club that I wanted or the wait, how did, how did that play? While you think about that, joining us now is oh, host really? Matty and Caddy. Yeah. Live from Las Vegas. Still alive there, Matt? 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm here, and I was listening to Callie, Caddy filibuster about a uh, relationship between Caddy and player, like a married couple, and that's why he and I are like a married couple, because I have no problem telling him when I'm right and he's wrong, which I'll do here in a minute. But yeah, I, oh, this poor, this poor, I feel so bad for Matt. He actually, he pulled the shoulder muscle, patting himself on the back with that Roy McElroy pick this past week. So I, was, I wanted I to call he's in. in. Sling. <laughs> wanted to call in from the desert, in Las Vegas, America, and uh, tell you two things, Caddy and, and Brooksy. The first is that again, Roy McElroy proved that when he's at his peak, he's the best player on the planet. And two, Jim Furyk again convinces me that old guys, Tiger notably, can compete in a big tournament and win a big tournament regardless of age. Thoughts. So I love the fact that because remember VJ Singh took us on that little ride there for a minute too at uh the Arnold Palmer. That's right. And that dude was like 137 years old, but still built like They're wildly out of shape. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but just a big <laughs> fat guy. <laughs> Can't pull Which fat. Is... That's your famous quote. I love, that's all I'm trying to say. Like, you can say whatever you want about got all big and muscular and look like fantastic. I've never heard somebody been like, oh man, I'm out next week because I pulled my fat. (laughs) Or I blew it out. I got my, my fat blew out while I was working out. Yeah, never. Um, I, I, I do like the fact that Furyk showed that flash and, and then talked about how he was hurt and whatnot. But quite honestly, um, do I think he's going to contend again this year? Furyk? No. Yeah, no, I don't. Well, I guess, what, I I guess the silly. point there, Caddy, is that it depends on the tournament. It depends on the course. If there's a course that's built for an older guy to compete, I think you're going to have a couple pop up here and there. And, and the point, the, the kind of the analogy is, is sawgrass to Furyk is what Augusta National is to Tiger. There isn't anything about that course for either player that is going to trick them in any way. There, there just isn't. They know the course is good or better than anybody. So regardless of physical situation, age, state of game, whatever, when they find a course that no matter what they know and fits what they can do, they're going to be in contention. Sawgrass is there's no such thing as a, a a a golfer that it fits, you know. But it's all about knowledge. Furyk has it. Um, Billy Horschel has it. Like these dudes that that know it. it I mean, it's like speed. What did I say about speed? The guy's a train wreck right now. He's an absolute train wreck. But when he gets to Augusta, there's just something. About, last year he was in a slump going into Augusta, and he found his way back into contention. There's just something about certain courses for people that bring out the best. And, look, this was something that Rory's been trying to tackle for a while. He's been playing too good this year to not have a win on his resume. Uh, you and I joked about it, but I had a serious conversation about the fact that he just can't handle being in the last group for whatever reason. I think it shows you everything you need to know about that point, the fact that he was in the second-to-last group on the weekend. And, and Teddy, what do we talk about all the time? We've got so many names that have already posted wins this year. I mean, look out going in and out of the meat of the golf season. Mm. And the other thing that you said about Rory, I'm looking for it because on my Twitter, you were talking about Rory being the best. You know, when he when he has his A game, you took Rory. I took uh, Brooks Kepka. Um, I got the, a fan of ours. Um, was listening to the podcast last week when we had this discussion and the yeah. fan was the fan was upset upset at the fact that we didn't mention Tiger Woods and upset at the fact that um he thought that Tiger's best is better than our top 5 and their best Include and Dan Hicks didn't mention Tiger either. Well, he yeah, but they yeah because he didn't realize that we were talking currently. 
Well, yeah, no, I no, 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 no. I don't, I don't think he meant currently. I think I think he meant like right now. He thinks he believes that Tiger, that Tiger's best game, um, is better than those guys. Right now, I yeah, he he thinks if Tiger has his A game. That that Tiger's A game right now is better than Rory's A game and Brooks's A game mm. and and Dustin's A game and JT's A game and I I was he goes you know you I I can't wait to hear it on the podcast I was like oh don't worry that's coming up on the podcast see that's hard for me because you know I'm the the president of the Tigers that do everything great against them. I don't know that. Uh... I can't disagree with him, and I can't agree with him at the same time. What? I can't. I can't. I'm literally neutral on this one. There's no neutral on this. Look, we know right now, right now, this moment, that if Tiger has the best that he's got right now, if he goes against, if Brooks has his best, if Rory has his best, remember, what we saw out of Rory, there were flashes of his best, but I, that is still not the best that Rory can play. So there is no way, there is no way Tiger's best today. Now, th- this is where people are going to get confused because they'll take that little sound blip and be like Michael Collins said, Tiger's best won't be Rory's best. And Man, you're always today. worried about your sound clips. It happened once that got its headline, Live Dangerously. <laughs> well, you know what? The if Tiger's on his A game, Rory's on his A game, DJ's on his A game, Brooks is on his A game, then Tiger's finishing fourth. And how many times I have to tell you we're trying to get Tiger on the podcast? You need to stop being so hard on him. Um, that's not being hard on him. That's being realistic. Because I'm he- telling you, I'm telling you that if all of them wake up drink their green juice and they're at, at they're all at their peak tigers and the comp he's, he's he's up there he's up there but would you put him top four he's a better putter than any of those guys you mentioned what not currently not currently <laughs> but if he's if if, if he's if he's if he's See? top tiger putter he's, he's one of the best putters Putters of all time. Uh, stop that. See, the, and that's where this is the problem. He's the, best the problem player is, of all time. look, if the problem is you're thinking of the prom queen in high school, not the prom queen twenty years later after four kids and a bunch of ho hos. Right? <laughs> like, uh, I understand. I understand what the yeah, prom but what queen prom used to look queen, like. I understand what the queen? prom queen used to look like, but the prom queen is now in one of them. One of them little. Cart buddies going into Walmart. <laughs> yeah, but what if she goes on a thirty-day diet, drops all the weight, sends the kids off? You're not dropping all that weight weekend. in thirty days. You're not dropping all that weight in thirty days. And for one weekend, it. looks like the prom queen back in the day. It can happen. No, it can't. No, it can't. It just because that's 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 golf, man. That's golf. It's golf is like life. Like you can have flashes of greatness in the past. You can look. Look. Yeah. Here's the. Here's yeah, the easy one. Did Furyk? Did Furyk close the deal? No. All right. There you go. He had a chance. Did VJ close the deal? No. There you go. Now, oh, granted, you know granted, I, those guys. I hold on. I do want to say those guys are not Tiger Woods. They are not as good as Tiger Woods. They were never as great as Tiger Woods. They will never be as great as Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is the GOAT. But that, when I say time is undefeated, which Tiger also said, that's why. Yeah, I get I get all of that. But let me ask you something, Mr. Anti-Old Golfer. Who'd you pick to win this what? tournament this week? Who'd you pick? Anti-Old Golfer? Why are you? Who'd you, why are you, who'd you pick? All right, I made two picks, and I made them. No, 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 no. Who what? did you pick? Well, I, I picked two. I picked two guys to win. Who did you pick on dot com? I picked Henry Stenson. He's forty-two years old. You knowingly picked a forty-two-year-old to win. 
we're not talking about there's a big difference between 42 and four back surgeries and 42 and no surgeries and I, i'm sorry when when did henrik stenson win the open championship and when's the last 43 What's when's that? the last major that tiger won Believe it was Rocco Media at two thousand what thirteen eight two thousand. <laughs> yeah, good one. See, this is what I'm saying. You, you have didn't have you, that by a this decade. Is what, this is what Vegas. This is what Vegas allows you to time travel. You know what I mean? Like it this does. is the I'm problem behind you, so I can see yeah. the future. <laughs> it's very true. But that's the thing. The thing about looking at Tiger is it's impossible. It's so difficult and all but impossible to let go of what was and that's the problem with that's that's where golf in the end always wins as yeah. is i must have missed him winning wins. the tour championship last year at east lake that you're right and being in contention at the open championship and being in contention at the pga champion i miss all that yeah that's look that's fine fine i'm not taking anything away from that again was that yesterday nope that was the past. It was in the past. In all seriousness, because we're we get to the point where we're beating a dead horse about this topic, I, I'm I'm surprised. I think we, you and I both had him not playing in match play. I, I was, know. I, I, I'm surprised by that. I don't know. I mean, he's obviously not playing Valspar, so he's going to need to get another tournament in uh, before the Masters. But I I think it's good for match play. I don't particularly think it's great for Tiger, but I thought that was a good decision for for match play to to get him out there in Austin. I think he said the his the big thing that was the decision for him was the fact that he was going to get three rounds of competitive golf in even if he lost the first match, which is different than the other. And the fact that there's a week off in between match play and the Masters, he thinks will give him enough time to recover if he plays the whole way to Sunday. I am... Would it be mean to say that I hope he doesn't make it to Sunday just because no, I would rather? Absolutely. That's okay, exactly good. right. I, cool. I want him to win a couple of matches, be around for the first three days, and then bail. I don't I don't want him necessarily to win a couple of matches because I think if he wins two, he might have to play on Saturday. And I would rather he didn't. Unless he only played once on Saturday and then they got all four rounds and you're good to go. Now you can dip out, which is cool. I just don't I've want got him one to make of- it to Sunday because I don't want him to put – seven competitive rounds in five days on that back and neck, and that doesn't count any of the practice, and that course is not an easy walk. I do have one thing, one other thing for you before I tee off here, actually two. One, um, how was the overall atmosphere at Sawgrass? We had the debate whether March was better than, or May would be better than March. Because to me, the atmosphere looked like it held up. Uh, Sunday, No. It did not. Well, yeah, because the weather sucked. That's March. Hello, this is what you wanted, remember? So don't bitch about it now. <laughs> like, oh, I was. Yeah, the I weather. Was, well, what do you think the weather's going to be in March in Jacksonville Beach? I mean, it's going to be. The, that's how they wanted the course. You got the course. Everyone who said, "I can't wait till we move back to March," it's going to be better. You got what you wanted. Don't bitch about the fact that the ratings were down twenty-one percent. Ta-da! Now I will say this: the atmosphere on Friday. Amazing. Just as good as it was in May. It was 80 degrees, sunny, <laughs> you know, a little breeze, which was nice. So there was that. So the atmosphere there for the first two, I say, you know, Tuesday, Monday through Friday, pretty good. Saturday was actually pretty good, too. The weather wasn't wasn't horrible. It was just overcast. It wasn't it wasn't as cold as it got on Sunday, so it was okay. But you know, I'm in. Before, I thought, before I you tee off, though, I want to know this: What'd you shoot so far? I haven't played yet. So this is the first, first round. First round today. I spent time with the family the last couple of days, so this is the first round of golf today. And so we're gonna get out. Uh, you remember Brian Craycraft? Yeah, uh, the 40th birthday. Yeah, so we're we're teeing off today. Today and tomorrow, uh, so we have we have golf and NCAA tournament uh, to get to, and that that's the last thing I'll leave you as we pull in here to Canyon Gate Country Club in beautiful Summerlin, Nevada. Final thing I have for both you and Brooksy, I need each of your lucky favorite numbers. So when I go degenerate on the roulette wheel, I can bet on each of your numbers and blame the losses on you. 
34 and double zero. Double zero was my hockey number. 34 was my number in every other sport. Uh, and Drew, what about you? I have a, a whole roulette strategy that would take too long for this podcast. <laughs> but in the meantime, you could just right now uh, put me down for number six because that's the uh, amount of career wins that John Rom has. Yeah, and had a boy. Okay, are you are so you six, cool with are you cool with John Rom's caddy and him and how that went down? Look, there it's a it's a difficult relationship. It's a bizarre relationship. Rom is wired a bit differently um, in a situation like that. I don't. I mean, I don't know, man. It it was weird how it all went down and how they he walked in on him and tried to talk him off a shot. You know better than anybody that there's just rules that you don't do. So I don't know. I just think Rom's wired differently. I love that he went into this tournament saying he's a new John Rom, and the old John Rom would have exploded on Sunday. I'm like, okay, well if that's your mark for improvement, then congratulations. <laughs> All right, so 34, I'm not betting double zero. I won't do it. So on, 34 man. and 6, I'll send all, right. all winnings to the Maddie McCaddy Beer Fund the next time we're all together in Connecticut. Oh, well, no, bring it to Augusta, yo. Well, Drew's not going to Augusta. I try well, to be inclusive. That's fine. You, Drew can, we can send him pictures, whatever. That's true. You know what? I'm bringing it to Augusta. Thank you. Just saying. All you right. Know. Love yeah. you, boys. Have a good hey, rest uh, of the podcast. Enjoy that new TaylorMade driver. I can't wait to see how that performs. Yeah, I guess it's uh, round number four with it. Round yeah. number four with the new TaylorMade driver. We'll uh-huh. see what happens. And don't forget to yell four. <laughs> he got yelled like oh, uh, uh, a New Yorker. <laughs> Three, seven, get the hell out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> see you boys later. Have fun. Oh, All right, so we still have a lot to get to today because I have a Rory McIlroy question for you, and we have a listener question that you need to answer, and that's coming up next. This is Maddie and Caddy. Back with Maddie and the Caddy without Maddie. Today it's just Caddy and the Brooksy. How's that? Yeah. Um, so you said you got a, a listener call that we can get to? I got a question I got to answer? Maddie and the Caddy. This is Dennis in Peoria, Illinois. Hey, guys, I'm trying to figure something out here. Uh, prior to getting married, I played golf maybe four, five times a week. I got married. I understood it was going to go down. However, last year I played once all year. How do I get my wife into liking golf? Take it easy, guys. Love the show. Oh, man, that's so hard, dude. And once is it? But here you got. Oh, man. I don't want to ruin a relationship, but first you got to be honest with yourself. Is she really the reason that you only play golf one time? So it was like, Hey, I was thinking about going to play golf on Saturday with my buddies. And she would step in and go, Oh, you are. And like, throw you on that guilt trip. Or were you the one that went, Hey, I can either go play golf with my buddies on Saturday, or we can go do something together. And then, of course, she's not going to go, no, you should go play golf with your buddies because we just got married. And that would be awesome because, trust me, the longer you stay married, the more she's going to start asking you, hey, are you going to play golf with your buddies this weekend? Great. I'm going to go hang with my girlfriends, which we, and there's nothing wrong with that either. I was in a tough spot personally, too. My wife does not play golf at all. Even when I was just before any of the – Media stuff happened for me when I was just caddying. Friends of mine got my wife a set of clubs. The golf course that I hung out with, the head pro there was like, listen, come over here anytime you want to. I'll take you to the back of the driving range where no one can see you so you're not embarrassed and you can practice and hit as many golf balls as you want. Us golfers, you know how we would have been wearing. There would have been just a patch of dirt. I would have hit so many golf balls. My wife never went one time. Not once. So finally, I just got rid of the clubs. But I also then realized that sometimes that time apart can be good. So here's what you do. If she's the one throwing you on a guilt trip about not being not going to play golf, like, oh, you, you'd rather go play golf than to spend time with me? Then here's what you got to do. Come up with something for her to do. Even if you, so go get her an hour at a spa. 
right? A full hour. I know golf is going to take four hours. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Here's what you're telling her. Baby, I love you so much. I want you to go be pampered. And so here, go pamper yourself. Do what you want to do. And while you do that, I'm going to go play golf. And then tonight, when I get back, let's go out to dinner together. So have it so that you do something separate. You go play golf. She gets to go get pampered. Then you come back together. You go to dinner. Have a good night. Win-win that night for everybody. You see what I'm saying? I'm helping you out. Do that. Or ask her, hey, would you want to go try golf sometime? Is there a top golf near where you live? Take her out to that. And then see maybe if she wants to go to the driving range. And slowly but surely, now here's where it gets tricky. If she gets into golf, here's the great get-out-of-jail-free card. You go play while she takes a lesson. And the reason that you want to do that, if you want to stay happily married, is you do not want to be teaching her because you're her husband. So if she's not doing great, which you know at golf when you first learn, you're not going to hit it perfect. She's going to be looking at you and finally be like, shut up. You know what? I'm going to do this on my own. Then you're going to get frustrated. It's going to turn into a fight. Your wife is not going to tell a stranger to shut up and stop telling her what to do, right? Your wife will do that with you. So to fix that problem, get her a lesson. And while she's taking a lesson, bang, you're out playing golf. Good to go. Again, time apart and distance. What is it? Distance makes the heart grow fonder. What's the saying? You know what I mean? Time apart. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Absence, I thought, was one of those drinks that was illegal, though, nowadays, because it's has properties of hallucinogenics or something. Oh, wait, different. That's a different absence. <laughs> Just saying. That's absinthe. Oh, okay. You know, it's all about pronunciation. Whatever. If you're in that kind of business, yeah, do what you want to do. Okay, two uh, two quick things before we go. Uh, right. You guys were talking about Furyk, so I want to follow up on that Furyk conversation. Jim Furyk yeah. right now is the ninth highest, uh, he has the ninth best odds, I should say, to win this week at Valspar, he is thirty-three to one. You buying into a back-to-back performance? No, no. It's just it's too difficult. It's so difficult to follow up a week like that, and the golf course is so much. Well, no, it used to be when they played the Players Championship in May. The Copperhead course and the players played very similar. And the reason I say that is Copperhead is a really tight golf course and it's straight Bermuda. They didn't really oversee it very much um, or very often. I think there were a couple years where they tried to. So that rough was wispy and very unpredictable. You got a lot of flyers. And if you got offline, you were pretty much in jail. And Furyk is a really straight hitter. But the Players' Championship wasn't necessarily that way. And at 48 years old, the crack, the crash and burn, it's just like anything to, we, we get back to that age conversation. And I'll use myself as a perfect example. I can still party like a rock star. I can still party like a comedian. I don't recover like I did when I was 23 or 24. And it's the same in golf. You can still show a flash for a week and tear things up. But it then takes a lot longer to recover from that. I'm new in the air quotes party from the week. So, nah, I don't, I'm not feeling it. And I love Furyk to death. And I thought it was awesome. If he would have won, it would have been an amazing story. Here's something crazy. I was actually with Fred Funk that Friday night. Wow. Talking about that as, as he is still now. Now he is still the oldest winner. Um, of the Players' Championship, and he was 48 when he did it, which, again, shows you that golf course, and he won it in in March. So that golf course does age, length, off the tee, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. All right, so we didn't spend enough time on Rory today, uh, but we'll make up for it uh, in the coming weeks. Um, Rory uh, won his 15th PGA Tour title. He is still uh, shy of his 30th birthday. The win was his sixth consecutive top ten on the PGA Tour. He he is the favorite to win at Augusta. Are you picking Rory McIlroy to win his first Masters tournament? Um, 
I don't, man. Okay, this this is the one question where I'm going to take a pass because I want to see what he does at match play. Even though it's a completely different format, completely different golf courses, I just want to see how he plays there. And I think if he is still playing the way he's been. I mean, think about this. His last four starts have all been inside the top five, including a runner-up and a win. Like, he is on He's on one of those streaks that we saw him go on before. And remember, he went on a streak for a minute, grabbed number one, then Jason Day went on a streak for a minute, and everybody was like, you know, Rory went on a streak and was like, this is it. Here he goes. He's going to be the next Tiger Woods. And then he crashed. And then Jason Day grabbed it, and everyone was, Jason Day, here he goes. He's the one. Crash and burn. Jordan Spieth, here we go. He's the one. Crash and burn. <laughs> so... I don't know how long this wave that he's riding is going to last. Um, it's also good to see Dustin Johnson making that move, and I think he's doing it quietly. Um, I'm not going to make Rory the favorite for the Masters yet. Not yet. But I'm now nervous about Brooks Kepka because I just saw where Brooks Kepka lost 22 pounds on this new diet, which also caused him to lose distance and feel. So, bruh, Brooks, my homie, whatever you're doing, stop it. Stop it. Get your behind some cheeseburgers and french fries and keep throwing that 225 up there because when you were at 212, he went from 212 to 190, and he said he feels out of sorts. Well, get back to 220. I'll do whatever you got to do. I'll take you to Philly. We'll get some cheesesteaks or something, get some protein. And you know what? Get some bread and some sugar and some cheese in there. I like. I don't like that at all. I I, don't, I liked where he was the one guy who had a frame that can handle bulked up muscle. He just is big like that, so he can handle being a little yoked. So he's. I'm, I'm nervous for him because he was going to be my favorite going into the Masters, but now losing this weight and just being kind of out of sorts, as he put it. Man, I don't like that at all. Not even a little bit. Rory, Rory, I don't. Let me ask you something. Rory is in such a great place mentally because of what happened with the first time he had a chance to win the Masters, right? So he's gone through the gamut of feelings and what you go through. He's read all kinds of books. And that dude that I saw yesterday or on Sunday at the winner's podium, and the guy who I've been seeing the past couple of months after doing all kinds of Zen book reading and whatnot, this dude is a guy who is in a good mental place. I don't know if he can hold that at Augusta, and I'm curious to think, what do you think of Rory and his mental state when he goes to Augusta? It's an impossible question to answer, but unlike Jordan Spieth, who's not been playing well, I still think he'll be able to contend there regardless of how he's been playing. I mean, McElroy has been incredible off the tee. Tee to green, he led the field um, this last strokes week in, in strokes gained. Tee to green, he finished second in strokes gained off the tee. Uh, he's doing what he needs to do, and he was taking some aggressive lines with that driver, <laughs> uh, which is really, Friday. really fun to watch. <laughs> but I think he'll be okay. I really do, at least for the first three days, and then we'll see. If he's sitting on a 54-hole lead and it's only one, and there are some big names behind him, he might falter again, but... Nobody's playing better than him right now. I mean, six straight top tens uh, goes a long way for him, and I actually think him being the betting favorite makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it puts more pressure on him, though. I think he would be better off. Same, The same reason I thought he could win because he was in the second-to-last group and not the last group, I think this plays against him being the favorite going to Augusta. And, like, this year, I hope this year at Augusta, the only dude that you don't ever want to talk smack about before you go play with him on the PGA Tour today is Patrick Reed. Because if you talk smack about Patrick Reed and you got to play him the next day, he's going to whoop your donkey. <laughs> Does, uh, back to Roy for a second. What does it say to you that he hasn't won a major since 14? Nothing. Nothing. Nah. I mean, four no, I straight years without a major. It doesn't say anything. It okay. just it says you know what it says to me? It says to me that 
Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Speed. Like those guys are pretty good too. Justin Thomas, kind of good. Like Rory could have won if those guys had their B game and Rory had his B game. Rory wins. Like Rory wins the Masters if Ricky wasn't charging and he hadn't talked smack about Patrick Reed. He would have won that Masters. But because of the circumstances, he did not win that Masters. I don't think it's a shot at Rory that he hasn't won a major in four years. I think it's more of a shout-out to all the other guys who have won majors. Kepka, by the way, 18-1 to to win the Masters this year. 18-1, to same odds as Ricky Fowler. Only John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Justin Rose, Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, and, of course, Rory McIlroy better. If Brooks Kepka does not put some weight on in, at match play, then his odds better go to like 30 to 40 to 1. Cause you got, you did what you did on the golf course at the size that you were. It's very similar to like Carl Pedersen, the Swedish golfer, who's just a large guy. He's a big dude who's fat. Like, okay, big deal. But he decided, I'm going to get fit and lose a whole bunch of weight and stuff like like that. The problem is, once you do that, you only knew how to swing the fat guy swing. So now the skinny guy swing sucks because you weren't a pro. Like, you didn't spend your whole life that way. So it's like Brooks spent so much time in the gym getting all yoked. And now he loses some of that muscle mass, which then shrinks him down a little bit. And guess what? Your swing is different. Put the weight back on, dude. All right, tell the patrons how they can get a hold of us. Maddie and the caddy and Brooksy. I mean, we might have to get new. We might have to get new stuff made up now. Call it Maddie, the caddy, and Brooksy. I'm just saying. But look, here's how you can hit us on social media. It's at Maddie and Caddy at M A T T Y. And the word and C-A-D-D-I-E all one word that's Instagram and Twitter plus you heard we answered one of the questions from the listener line this week as it is so do you have a question well hit us up 860-506-6012 or you know what else if you have comments on stuff that went down if you got something that you need to get off your chest on the John Rom. Adam Hayes thing, or if you have a comment too, we didn't even touch on that Harold Varner thing, which, oh, maybe we'll hit that next week because I'm still, and I spoke to Harold Varner afterwards. I got to vent just a little bit on that. I got some serious problems that we'll probably have to edit a lot out because I want to keep my job. I'm just saying, but anything that you have a comment or question on, hit us up. 860-506-6012. Brooksy, man, thanks for sitting in today. I'm glad we got to uh, to chat a little bit. Let's, what's the over-under on Matt Barry's score in Las Vegas today? The real number is 93. The uh, number he's going to tell us the over-under is probably like 86. <laughs> oh, man, 86. Am I wrong? Uh no, I'm not no, you're probably not wrong. You're not he beat me. He shot eighty nine and I shot ninety. Matt I hasn't played with me in eight. two years because he uh knows he can't beat me, but probably gonna edit that out so I don't get yelled at. Nah, don't edit that out because I tell you what, we need to have a threesome then. We need to go out there and tee it up, us three, because you're handicapped. Now if we play fair, do you give him shots? Oh yeah. Uh uh I'll give him shots, and I'll probably also play back because I don't like playing the white tees. Really? Yeah. Perfect. All right, so you're going to give me shots, and then I'm going to teach Matt Barry what psychological golf is, and then you're going to be mad. So, You think you're going to get me mad? Yeah. Oh, you have no shot at that, sir. Right I don't there. get mad on the golf course. I, I, I learned a long time ago that golf is a game where you just hit the ball and then walk up to it again and hit it again, and there's really no reason to get mad in between. And somehow I've been able to get to a 3.6 index on that. Uh, but I will say the uh, system is a little unfair for us that put the clubs away uh, for six months at a time. That's not – look, here's two things. Number one, you're like the dude that plays in a basketball like YMCA league. 
and is like, you know what? I just go have fun and nothing really gets to me. Well, it's because you never played against Ray Allen and you never had anybody talking the right kind of smack to you before. So it's cool. I'll be your Gary Payton. We'll just go. We'll just go figure some things out for a little bit. And so, and trust me, my 15 handicap right now should be about an 18 handicap as bad as I'm hitting it. But, well, I should say as bad as my short game is right now, but I'm getting it figured out. So, so. six strokes aside, that's what I'm giving you? Six strokes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Done. And that probably not enough, but my smack talk game is good enough that I'll it'll be okay. Good luck. Thanks for letting me sit in. <laughs> Matt will be back next week. That's Matty and the Caddy. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for listening to Matty and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Matty and the Caddy.